Hi, this is James Joachim, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, we're looking at convention security. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Conventions are fun, fabulous places where you can meet pretty much anybody. And if you got a lot of cosplayers running around, you know, all bets are off. What this means is that you can meet your heroes, defeat your villains, and possibly get drunk with these people later should all parties be consenting. There's a lot of really great stuff. You can attend panels and find out all the juicy secrets about your industry, your craft, and even people you actually admire, you know, prior to the panel. There's a lot of really great stuff to see and do that you, sometimes that you've never heard of before. I mean, if you really want to see some weird stuff, you know, head straight into Artist Alley. There's all sorts of weirdness there. On top of that, there's always sort of staged events every so often. There's costume balls. You know, bottom line is that when you go to a convention, especially a comic book convention, it's entirely possible to lose yourself in the crowd. And this isn't necessarily a good thing. The problem is if you lose yourself too much, you start risking, you know, injury to yourself. You have the possibility of seeing a lot of your stuff get stolen. And the bottom line is, is that if you lose track of what's going on, well, yeah, it's just generally not a very good thing to happen. So part of this is that we're basically trying to raise your awareness just a little bit. I mean, if you're not paranoid already, we're going to hope to instill a little bit into you. And that's sort of the catchphrase tonight. A little paranoia is a good thing. A lot of paranoia, on the other hand, tends to lead to a lot of therapy sessions. So, you know, when you're we're talking about paranoia and personal security and all that. Realize that you've got to find that cute little sweet spot between the two. You don't want to be too paranoid or you're just simply going to waste time going to a convention to have fun. It just isn't going to happen. You're going to be too worried about everything going on, every little detail. You're going to hear sounds, you're going to see things, and it's going to freak you out. And then a lot of these conventions where you've got cosplayers doing some of the weirdest costumes and variants on established characters and so on and so forth, it's just you, there's a lot to freak out about if you let your imagination go wild. So, I mean, straight up, you have straight up, you know, death gods running around. If you ever paranoid and you see a death god coming at you, yeah, you're going to freak out, and perfectly legitimately so. Obviously, you don't want to be that person. So, you want to basically start learning how to get a little bit paranoid and just paranoid to save your bacon. Tonight, we're going to work on that a little bit. We're going to basically work on ways things you can do before you leave the convention to up your security factor. Stuff you can do at the convention, and of course, that stuff you can do when you're away from the convention center. Yeah, we're actually going to be looking at bar security. Go figure. For artists, we're also going to be looking at stuff you can do at Artist Alley to secure your belongings. Or more accurately, the stuff you're trying to sell. Nobody wants to go to Artist Alley and end up giving a lot more stuff away than they really wanted to. And of course, in this case we're talking about, they're not exactly giving it away. So, have some fun. You know, if you're going to a convention, you just want to relax. You want to let your hair out. And you want to have some serious fun out there. So, you, like you said, a little paranoia is a good thing. Let's see what we can do about developing that little bit of paranoia without making it into full-blown, oh my gosh, I need therapy type of paranoia. <laughs>
Okay? Okay. Before you leave the house, there's a few things you want to do. The first thing you want to do is take a few basic self-defense classes. I mean, this is always a good recommendation in and of itself. But keep in mind that we're not talking, you know, go out and get a black belt. We're talking just make sure you know how to hit and kick, know where to hit and kick, and know when to run. Because straight up, a lot of your people who just take, you know, who have absolutely no clue about self-defense, those are pretty much the three biggies. A lot of people don't know when to run and therefore tend to get into a lot more trouble than they should. You know, it's just, I don't know how to get make this point further. Nine times out of ten, you need to run. You need to basically say, screw it, I don't care what's going on here, I'm out of it. And just leave it at that. Deal with the repercussions later. I mean, that's sort of what pretty much any action-adventure movie teaches all the civilians. Ignore what the hero does here. You're a civilian. Get out of there. Okay? You're also going to want to know where to hit and kick and actually how to hit and kick. Word of advice, don't start a fight with a kick. Nine times out of ten, the person will catch the kick and all of a sudden you're a new statistic. Congratulations, I guess. But you definitely want to learn how to actually throw a punch or kick. Uh, A lot of people tend to not know how to do this or they tend to develop their own personal style. And these personal styles are all signs of a true idiot. You know, I've got one person who developed a punch that, uh, you know, makes them immune to judo throws. The only problem is, is that these judo throw immune punches don't end up actually doing any damage when they actually contact someone. Because, you know, in order to be judo immune, you can't have any force attached to your punch. And if you don't have any force attached to your punch, yeah, it's pretty much a waste of a gesture. At that point, why did you even stick around? So, you definitely want to take some sort of self-defense class. I can't recommend that enough. Plus, it makes you a little more confident when you start dealing with some situations. And definitely don't get confident to the point of cockiness. I don't care how skilled a fighter you are. It's sort of an interesting, you know, little thing. There's a direct proportion to the odds of you losing and how cocky you are. No matter how skilled you are. Just something to keep in mind. You're also going to want to have a map of the convention center. And if you're not staying at the convention center, from the convention center to wherever you are staying. I cannot stress this enough. If you can get a paper map, great. You know, print out a copy before you head out and make sure that it's on your person at all times. Great. If you have to put it in your cell phone, make sure you've got it into your, you know, your photography files. You want to have access to this map at any particular time. I mean, straight up. If you have to go into the bottom layer of a convention center where there's no phone reception, and all of a sudden you're relying on the phone reception in order to get a map to get you to safety, yeah, you're pretty much screwed. If I have to point out the problem of being in a maze without having some sort of map, please look up the mess of Theseus. And keep in mind that for several years up until Theseus going over, most of the people without a map who went into a maze tended to end up as skeletons. So, you know, take that as a word of caution. Make sure you've got a map. Also make sure that you've got friends that you're either going with or that you're going to meet locally. 
you're going to want somebody eventually there at the convention to be part of a party. This isn't just a D&D thing. This is more. This is definitely more of a security thing. Once you do that, you basically have people that can act as a support chain in order to not only make sure that you're taken care of, but that if something bad happens, you've got somebody there on the scene that can help with the situation. For those of us with, uh, shall we say, certain food issues, having somebody there with an EpiPen is seriously cool, or in my case, insulin. So yeah, if you've got some sort of food issue or something where you need to take medicine, having somebody there you can make sure that your medicine has been taken and can also deliver it to some degree is a major plus. On a straight security level, this means that you've got people that are actually there to have your back and they can either get you out of the situation or defend you if you, there's no other choice. So obviously, if you're going to have somebody there at the scene, make sure it's local. You don't want to have to call in and say, I'm in trouble, to somebody who's halfway across the country, or in some cases, across the globe. It's just a stupid to depend on somebody who isn't there. You know? And while you're there, setting up this group of people, also make sure you set up check-in times. Yeah, I know, this is where we start getting a little crazy, but, you know, everybody's going to want to go off on their own and have some, you know, explore a little bit. That's fine. You've got a lot of great stuff going on. It's only natural that everybody wants to go their own directions. But make sure that everybody is checking in with each other at least once an hour to every two hours just to make sure they're fine. This way, if something as weird is going on, hey, at least you've got a heads up and you can start working on a missing persons report. So, I mean, I hate saying basic horror movie survival instincts should be kicking in right about now, but let's get real. The party splits up and everybody loses contact. What's the first thing that happens? And if you're thinking that they meet up for a party afterwards, yeah, you need to watch a few more horror movies. Okay? So, keep that in mind. You're also going to want to institute various ways to limit your spending. It's just straight up. You don't want to be taking a huge amount of cash, especially dollar bills, into a convention floor. If you have to hit the ATM up every so often for a very specific purchase, that's fine. But in general, you should have all your money on you in terms of plastic. Plastic has two advantages as far as you're concerned. The first is that, well, obviously, if the, the cards get lost, or otherwise you know they've been stolen, you can report them immediately, and you're not going to be losing any more money than it took for you to time it took for you to get to an actual phone you know especially if you got a cell phone on hand or you're working with somebody else hey you all of a sudden save yourself a lot of money the second is that they tend to record transactions that is if you're dealing with a straight money thing yeah you've got the receipt but you don't have an actual way of tracking the transaction itself and sometimes tracking those transactions can be major killer Especially if your company that you're dealing with has some sort of uh, guarantee, you know, in fact, you know, like if you don't aren't happy with a particular product, you can return that product or get the money back for it. That's a major advantage when you deal with plastic. If nothing else, this means you might want to go out and grab a Visa gift card or Master Charge gift card or whatever. A lot of the major credit card companies you have plastic available that's set up as gift cards and you just put as much on the gift card as you want. The neat thing is is that by setting up 
the gift card, you're automatically putting a limit on how much you're going to be spending at the convention. So after that, you know how much you're probably going to lose and probably a little bit extra depending on the person. While you're setting up a budget and determining how much you actually want to put on the card, keep in mind that this is probably going to have to pay for all your food and drinks. And if you're dealing with a three-day trip, that means not only are you having to get the food and drink to and from the convention, but also probably about the equivalent of about nine meals while you're there. Keep that in mind when you're setting up your budget. Um, Also allow for some incidentals. Women, you know what I'm talking about. If I have to go into the objects that you don't want your boyfriend to know about and the boyfriend does not want to purchase, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, incidentals. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, especially if you are heavy into hair care products. But just trying to point out that you have to allow for your budget to carry a lot of small things as you're going along. So allow for that and you should be a happy camper. And like I said, Use as much plastic as you possibly can. They're great if you lose them, or especially if you get stolen. You know? You're going to quickly find out, by the way, that lanyards are your friends. You know, those really nifty things that hang around your neck? Because there's a lot of stuff you can do with them in order to secure your own personal security. You can put your phones, for example, on them, as well as you can actually buy pouches if they're not already hooked into your lanyard. You can buy little the pouches that hook onto your lanyard that you can put stuff into. This, of course, means that if you happen to be wearing something a little, bit, a little bit loose, you can put the stuff inside the clothing, like a sweatshirt or you know a sweater or even a loose jacket. It's just straight up. If you can get access to a lanyard, especially in a couple of pouches for that, and if you can secure your phone onto your lanyard, straight up. It's arguably one of the best little security hacks in the world. Oh, and the reason I'm pointing out the pouches idea is that a lot of companies will have their IDs put into a pouch and then put the pouch on the lanyard. Well, you can do the same and put all your credit card, all your money, and all that onto your lanyard. And at that point, you know exactly where it is. It's hard to steal. And, you know, you basically have, you can even hide it to some degree. It's not really that hard to deal with. Also, if you have anything with a strap, you know, I'm a photographer. My camera has a great strap. If you have bags, purses, whatever, make sure that they all have really nice, thick straps that are hard to break. Some people will suggest going with a breakaway strap. Unfortunately, a lot of these breakaway straps, well, they tend to break away before you need them to break away. So if you get, you know, it's entirely possible for you to lose whatever it is you're trying to carry before, you know, without somebody actually having to steal it. In other words, you get into a crouch, you get jostled, you've lost your bag. So, really debate breakaway straps. They're really great in an emergency, especially if you need to, you know, you've got this big, huge robber on your butt. Yeah, in that case, breakaway is a great thing, trust me. But generally, you want a nice, thick strap. So, you know, these are just little things. Oh yeah, and I know the guys know what I'm talking about, but you need to master the triple pad. A triple pad is essentially where you basically where you basically check out to make sure where your phone is, where your wallet is, or in this case your lanyard, I hope, and your key. 
Obviously, you can put all three of these onto your lanyard and it becomes a one-pat. But, if you don't do the lanyard, you definitely want to do a triple-pat. Like I said, you want to know where your, camera, uh, your cell phone is, you want to know where your keys are, and you want to know where your wallet is. A triple-pat does this in a matter of like two seconds. So, if, at the very least, make sure you've learned how to do that. Trust me, if you don't know what I'm talking about and how cool this is, ask any guy you know. Most of us have mastered the triple pat to the point where we do it before we leave the house and anytime we do any kind of purchase. There's just nothing that can really beat it. Man, have I got some words for cosplayers and those with weapons. Alright, so you've designed this really cool costume. You want to basically demonstrate it out on the convention floor. Possibly go to a costume ball or even a costume contest and you know, just wow everybody because you got something really cool for your social media page. Cool. The only question is, does it meet certain security issues? First off, you want to make sure it's loose fitting. And notice that that's two separate words that you need to look into. Loose and fitting. You don't want too much tight because if it's too tight, it's going to restrict your ability to move. If you get into an emergency situation and you can't move, sure, you're going to look gorgeous when you're dead. You know what I mean? So, make sure that it does allow you to actually move regularly. At the same time, fitting is the other word you need to pay attention to there. You want something that's going to essentially make you look good, but you don't want it to be too crazy. What I'm looking at is that you need to basically avoid two situations here. First off, you need to make sure that you can move well through a crowd. If your cosplay has something that's going to inhibit that, for example, a really long train, you know that really long thing at the bottom of a wedding dress? Yeah, if you got a wedding, you got some sort of train on your costume, yeah, you're not going to be very popular. Plus, that train is going to be easy to trip, not only trip other people and cause accidents, but once those people trip and slip on that train, you're screwed too, especially if you're wearing high heels. We'll get back to the high heels in a moment. This also includes if you have really long robe sleeves or pretty much anything that goes past a few inches past your body. You know, I hate going into Edna mode. Mode? and I hate it when they do weird names like that. But remember Edna's word of advice, no capes. Straight up, if you can avoid a cape, so much the better. There's a reason you tend to see a lot of people in body armor and ninja outfits and so on and so forth. This is because those capes that look so incredibly gorgeous in the comic books and so great, yes, Spawn, we're looking at you and your gorgeousness, but they suck in real life because not only do they provide a way for somebody to actually grab you and to restrain you against your will and do any, pretty much anything they want to at that point, they also inhibit, they also create the potential for accidents around you. Remember what I said about the train? Yeah, if you're running around with a spawn type cape, people will not like you. Especially if they've seen the movie. But, the bottom line here is try to avoid anything that's not loose fitting, you know? Try to keep it close, but make sure you can move in it and make sure that it doesn't have the potential to trip other people up. Also, make sure that any kind of face mask you wear does not obscure your vision. You want to have a full range of vision around you. 
you know, and yeah, let's get real. There's a lot of characters who have some incredibly great headgear, but it doesn't work so great in real life. For those of you who love Cyclops, hey, I love the fact that the guy can calculate triangles on the fly. Great guy, but that visor of his sucks if you're in a situation where you need to have every, you know, an idea of what's going on around you. Uh, the domino mask is arguably about as good as you're going to get. If you can find a character with a domino mask, you know, emulate them. But the bottom line here is whenever you choose your face, you know, your your face gear, whatever it ends up being, I don't care if you're looking at Bane or if you're looking at Cyclops. Make sure that you have a full, unrestricted field of vision. It's a minor thing, yeah, I know, but it's just, you know, something to keep in mind. You're going to want to avoid straps. I know this is silly, and I know there's a lot of anime characters who have straps, and you want to emulate that, especially if you have some sort of weird BDSM fetish going on. That's fine in the club. However, at a convention, well, all of a sudden those straps are easy to catch on to. They're easy to snag. And anything I've said about capes applies triple to sn- straps. Because not only... Because, yeah, the cape can be used against you, but let's get real. You can do a tearaway cape. You know, the tape's only going to spin you in one area, and that's the back of your neck. Straps will actually be able to restrain an entire limb. Top of that, they're pretty much... A lot of these are pretty durable. So, you know, somebody grabs a strap, they've taken out that limb, plus this kept you there for at least an extra second or two. You know? So straps may look good, but, you know, try to limit them as much as possible. Oh, yeah. And let's take care of a pin. High heels. Do not wear them. Wear flats instead. Um, yeah, they look great. In fact, that's the entire point of a good pair of heels. Is to make your legs look a lot longer and therefore a lot more attractive. That's cool if you're going out to a ball. But if you're actually trying to impress somebody and all of a sudden you've got to walk towards them. Well, see, one of the bad things about heels, and anybody who knows about this about heels knows it, is that they're a balancing act. Yeah, you can get to the point where the balancing act is instinctive. That's fine. But even if you've got that balancing act, heels are not exactly what we call a speed-based footwear. You get into a trouble situation, and all of a sudden you've got to not only watch where your heels are going, because that nice little spike at the end can get caught in pretty much anything and everything. And trust me, nine times out of ten, it will. Worse than that, you basically can't really move all that fast in a pair of heels. Like I said, they're not speed-based footwear. You're not going to be able to run in heels no matter how agile you think you are and let's get real some of us even run on the tips of on the tips of our feet you know if you ever watch track stars going at it you notice really quick that they tend to land a lot on tip toes and yeah if you're a ballet dancer sure you can make the argument that this doesn't apply to you but trust me you get into a situation where you're trying to run yeah those heels aren't going to save you again think horror movie logic it's going to save you in this situation. Now, you're thinking, obviously, that if I'm thinking self-defense, I'm going to say go for weapons, right? No. 
top five problems with weapons are, one, not everybody is trained in them. Two, not all these weapons that you see in cosplay are really great in a combat situation. Yeah, that big, huge anime blade that you really love in all the cute anime that does, like, ridiculous amounts of damage. Yeah, you can't wield that thing in combat. Trust me. I mean, I am one of those people that can wield a claymore. Yeah, that six-foot Irish sword, I can wield that thing one-handed. And I would have a problem with some of these anime combat blades. So, you know, don't go after the anime blade. There's a lot of weapons that look really cool, but they're pretty much useless. Um, another problem, the number three on the list, so to speak, is that these weapons are usually made out of foam or some other type of material in order to make sure that they're actually legal for the convention. You go into a situation with a foam blade, I don't care what's underneath it, you're pretty much screwed. You know, you're not going to be doing... You're going to hit this person as hard as you can with this incredibly impressive blade and it's going to bounce off them. They're going to look at you and they're going to be ticked or they're going to be laughing at you. And by the time you recover... They're already on top of you. Possibly with an actual real weapon. Also, a lot of these weapons tend to be placed so that they're basically costume only. You know, they're basically things like the pair, you know, the dash you that's strapped to the back. The key there is strapped. You know, if you're able to build this thing on a convention floor, the convention people are not going to be looking happy at you. Yeah, Deadpool sucks. Okay. At least in this situation. Also keep in mind that the weapon you could be depending on could actually be banned by the convention. A lot of conventions nowadays are looking at banning a lot of really beautiful weapons for the sake of safety. And based on what a lot of us have seen people try to pull off with weapons, yeah, you're not going to be able to pull it off. So keep in mind if... It's entirely possible that the weapon you're thinking about using is banned by the very convention you're trying to go to. A minor issue, sure, but... And last but not least is the expense factor. Straight up, you've probably paid a couple hundred dollars in order to get your weapon there. Not through, just through transportation, but also because this is a really beautiful weapon. Do you really want to use something you just paid a couple hundred dollars for in a melee? Just think about that, you know. It's just, do you want to basically worry about losing something if you actually have to get into a fight with it? Yeah, some of us are going to be full bored because we want to see what this thing can do. But those of us who can also have a little bit of training to back that up. A lot of people who grab these things online don't. And because of that, it goes right back to what I was saying about punching and kicking. Sure, you've got a general idea of what to do, but unless you've had actual training, you're going to 9 times out of 10 injure yourself and possibly those behind you more than you will those people in front of you. And you do not want to be the person who the safest possible spot is directly in front of you. So, unless you've got the training, unless it's a really great weapon, unless it's legal by the convention, and it's actually made out of real materials, and basically it's not strapped to your back, sure, go ahead and use it. But I think I pretty much nailed one of those or more of those ch checklists. So weapons should be avoided. Not to mention, of course, that you could also get in trouble by the, the local law. And trust me, ignorance of the law is never a defense. So you bring in this really cool 
triple-bladed weapon into a convention and you hurt somebody with it, no matter what the self-defense situation was, nine times out of ten, they're going to be nailing you before they nail the person you defended yourself against. So, obligatory, I'm not a lawyer, blah, blah, blah. I'm just being a nice guy and giving you a heads up. Okay? Okay. Real quick heads up to my artist friends in Artist Alley. Some really quick things you might want to keep in mind when it comes to your to your spot. First and foremost, make sure you've confirmed security. I don't care if it's cameras, guards, etc. Make sure that you've actually make sure that there is actually security in that part of the building. It's not just a load off your mind, but it also means that if you get something big that gets stolen, you've got somebody there whose job it is to actually take care of the problem. If you don't have security, yeah, seriously debate even going there in the first place. That's me. Um, straight up, you do not want to have be that artist who loses all the stuff because some thief is able to get hold of it, and then you try to blame the convention. Yeah, you can blame the convention, but the reality is you're still out all the, that potential money. So, like I said, just confirm that there actually will be security. Try to set up a situation, by the way, where you and a team are setting up and taking stuff down. Yeah, this means that you might have to co cooperate with other people on Artist Alley, but that's cool. That means you basically are setting up friends. This isn't to say that you have to take it down every night. That's, let's get real, that could be aggravating in and of itself. On top of that, if there actually is security there... Well, you're taking your stuff out of a secure area into a less secure area where it can be stolen a lot easier. You know, I don't care if you've got a really cool vehicle. Windows can be smashed, locks can be picked, and hey, in a really bad situation, I can ram in one car with another. If you don't think that's going to open up the car, <laughs> let's talk. But... The bottom line is you want to try to basically set up what if you do set up and take down, you want to do it as a team. Not only does this mean that you're the labor to t do this is a lot, well, there's a lot less labor involved, plus you can also do a lot more lifting. But it also means that you're doing this in a somewhat secure situation. You know, you, at the very least, you've got multiple eyes on the scene that can keep an eye on everybody else. So again, D&D &D party rules. Something to consider when you're setting up your table is that you want to make sure all of your expensive items are towards the center and all of your freebies are towards the edge. This way, if anything does, straight up. If I'm a thief and I'm going after something at a table, I'm going to go for the easiest possible item. If it happens to be the most expensive items, bonus. But if you venture to align your table so that all of your cheap you know, freebies are on the edges of your table then hey, if they get stolen, well, they were meant to go away anyway. You've lost nothing. On the other hand, if that must be one of your more expensive items that you put on the edge, or even your printed, you know, really cool printed backgrounds that you carry all your merch in, yeah, you want to try to avoid putting those on the edge as well. Keep in mind also that you can put stuff behind the table. So, you know, you've got a lot of really cool stuff there to take advantage of. Just like I said, if you don't mind it missing, try to put it in a position where it's going to be stolen the easiest. Stuff that you want to possibly retain if it doesn't get sold, put towards the center. Little things like that should help.
Also, depending on the kind of setup that they have for the artist alley, try to set up teams that are going to be you know there for mutual defense. What this means is that you're going to be keeping an eye on somebody else, but that person will also be keeping an eye on you. And the bigger this team goes on, the better. Especially, you know, what this means is that if you happen to see a thief, you can actually track this person almost to the edge of the artist alley without actually getting up from your own seat. Better yet, you've got a high chance of actually having a photograph or some other means of identification of that thief that you can actually give to the security person or cop, depending on the value of the item. So, at the very least, make sure you've got some sort of team setup going. This goes right back, by the way, to going to a convention as part of a group. It's never a bad idea. Trust me, there's a reason D&D parties are set up as a group. And in case you haven't noticed, we keep going back to the horror movie logic. What's the first thing you learned about having being an individual when it comes to being a horror movie? Yeah. You do the math. And if I'm wrong on this, please get back to me. Okay. When it comes to dealing out on the floor itself, you want to know where all the security people are. This should be like a first big, that should be like the first thing you do. Uh, the more you know where the security is, if something bad happens, you can go straight to them. You know, it's not a bad idea. The same, of course, applies to knowing where all the cameras are. Uh, if you know where the cameras are, that means you can actually stay where things, if something bad happens to you, somebody can get a picture of it. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pictures anyway, but hey. Also, make sure you leave any valuables in your room that you don't actually need. This goes back to why I was telling you to go with a lanyard. If you have a lanyard, you don't have to carry your backpacks, your computer, so on and so forth. You can leave that all in a nice little old secure room. So, you know, on top of that, the more you bring onto the convention floor, the bigger target you make yourself into. You know, if you're already walk, possibly walking around in a ridiculously expensive costume, it doesn't make sense to add even more things that can be easily stolen. You know, just don't do it. Just leave your stuff in the room. And of course, like I said, arrange the hourly check-ins with other people. This should maximize your safety while you're on the floor and allow you to have a lot of fun. Also allows them to have some fun as well because they've got a certain, you know, they know what you're up to. So, they're not going to worry about you as much. Remember what I said about plastic being really cool because it tracks your purchases? Yeah, you're definitely going to want to basically make sure you're dealing with plastic. And now we're starting to worry about identity issues. If you lose your card, report it immediately. And like I said, keep it, you want to track whenever you basically have a little bit of downtime, try to track what's going on with your credit card because some people will scam you when you buy a purchase. So you just bought like a $5 item, there's a possibility, however slim, that that person could record your number, all irrelevant information, and is making huge purchases based on that debit card. So definitely keep track of what your transactions are and take advantage of that feature of the credit card. Last but not least, and this is a minor thing, but you want to know where the non-photo areas are in the convention. Uh, what's something that's sort of cool but annoying to me as a photographer is that a lot of conventions limit where you can and can't take pictures. This basically means that you can have a little bit more fun in areas where you, there's non-photo, but it also means that if you see somebody with a photo in that uh, camera in that particular area, they're probably up to something nefarious. Uh, 
even if it's just something like making fun of your identity online. This just goes back to keeping track of who you are and your identity. So definitely know where people are taking pictures and where they're not allowed to. It's a minor thing, but, you know, because a lot of people, they are there at a convention to be seen. Especially if the slave layers. But, you basically just know who's supposed to be taking a picture of you and who can't. Definitely look for the photo badges because some people have been okayed by the convention itself to take pictures pretty much everywhere. Just a minor thing, sure, but keep it in mind. Okay, remember what I keep saying about ident- uh, little paranoia is a good thing? Yeah, when it comes to your food, you're going to want a lot of paranoia because a lot of people can hand you something or more accurately can spike something, hand it to you, and all of a sudden it's in your system and it's possibly something you don't want in there. Uh, roofies are the obvious example. Psychedelic drugs are another. And in an age of CBD oil going everywhere, yeah, you're going to want to know if there's been edibles in there, especially if your business happens to test regularly for drugs. You know? So, if you didn't see it made, don't accept it. This is obviously the first big line. If you have no idea what's in the food and you didn't see them actually make it, you know, you didn't order it, you didn't see them make it, and somebody just hands you something, yeah, your paranoia should be going off the charts. Obviously, you're never going to want to accept food from strangers. Uh, the stranger the person, obviously, you're the less pe- likely you should be taking the food. If you've just met someone, cool. You know, that's a judgment call on your... But if you've never met somebody and they're handing you a plate full of food, yeah, I'd be really suspicious, just on general principle. Also, try to avoid communal feasts. Uh, it's just, you never know what, you know, you always got somebody who has to prank the food everybody's eating, and sometimes the communal stuff has been out there long enough. So if you happen to be in a situation, a buffet is fine, but if you happen to be in a situation where they're putting food in the center tables and they're leaving it for long periods of time, especially if they're not watching it, yeah, you might want to avoid that kind of particular situation. Note that I'm saying there's a difference between a communal mess versus a buffet. Buffet, fine. Communal mess, not so much. And last but not least, there's the bar situation. Yeah, you're going to want to drink. And in fact, some people go to conventions specifically to get drunk with weird people. Hey, that's fine. I don't advise it, but, you know, some people are weird. Thus, when you're basically approaching a bar, make sure you're approaching it in a group. You notice how I keep pointing out the D&D thing? Yeah, parties rule. They keep natural security, and they keep you safe as much as you're keeping them safe. When you're actually in the bar... Look for all the security issues really quick. The cameras, the guards, so on and so forth. Trust me, if something bad happens and you need help, you need to beeline it straight to the guard. The manager is nice, but he's not there to do it. He's there to have like 27 other worries, and you're not one of them. The security guard, you're, he's all about you. If you're having a problem and the security guard can conceivably help, that's where you should go. Also keep in mind that a lot of bars now are putting words in the bathroom that act as safe words. That is, you can mention this word in passing to a bartender, and the bartender will help you out. Um, if you happen to be there out of choice, the bartender is there to basically say, Hey, you mentioned lime and strawberry daiquiris. Do you need, let me send somebody to help you. 
Yeah, this is a great thing. So pay attention if there's any keywords mentioned in the bathrooms. Weird concept, I know, but hey. Security, security, right? And remember what I said about food, about not accepting food unless you've seen it actually made? This is going to apply triple to a drink in a bar where you're basically already in a situation where you're drinking something for the sake of intoxication. You don't want to get some additional effect in there. You know, it's entirely easy for somebody to hand a drink to a server and have that delivered to you. So while it may be incredibly ego-boosting to see this entire thing of drinks in front of you, don't drink them unless you've actually seen them made and unless you specifically have ordered them. It's just not a good thing to accept strange drinks. And most of us should have realized it's from our college days or from our high school days. Alright, so the four basic takeaways you should have gotten from tonight are one, a little paranoia is always a good thing. Basically, anything that keeps your situational awareness up is always going to work in your favor. Read, you know, you can always predict that there's always going to be something bad that's going to happen and you're always going to be going to situations that aren't always going to be totally comfortable. You know, the problem is obviously me being a writer is that, well, I'm always going into situations that are a little bit uncomfortable. So, you know, total safety isn't going to work. But if you figure there's a strong possibility of something bad happening, hey, listen to your gut and let it veto whatever your actions you're about to do. There's no reason you should be going into a situation where you know that there's going to be a good fight. But the key here is a little paranoia. Once you start going into full-blown, oh my gosh, you're going to get me. Hey, anytime you think there's a pot, sorry, anytime that you're basically thinking that there'll be a fight, well, nine times out of ten, it's going to happen. And unfortunately, most of the time it's going to be you causing it, either directly or by your very presence. So, don't go full-blown paranoia, but do keep a little bit on edge, okay? Two, forewarned is forearmed. Obviously, you're not going to be able to control every situation you go into. However, it doesn't mean that you can't go into that situation prepared for the worst. You know, like I said, basic self-defense classes, being aware of where everybody is, definitely knowing where the security is, and making sure your belongings are secured will go a long ways toward doing that. So, just be aware that there are situations. Be prepared for the worst, but definitely be prepared to enjoy the moment, you know? There's no reason you basically can't go into a situation in a bikini as long as you're prepar- prepared for it. So have fun with it, you know? But don't go in there totally unarmed. You know what I mean? Three, teamwork is good. Straight up. Always have some sort of support chain going. I don't care if it's simply, uh, you know, we're texting each other every hour or something like that, or you're meeting up, or you're going into a bar as part of a group. Some sort of you need some sort of support structure, and you know there's nothing I can say that's more than that. A team can actually do a lot more than a single person, which of course brings up four solo acts will usually go down. This isn't to say that there are situations that you can't go into it by yourself. However, if you're talking about a situation that you're reasonably unaware of that you've not been in before, you know. You're pro- something is bad, going to bad to happen to you, and it's just a matter of time. So this isn't trying to be a Debbie Downer here. It's just going into it with a support structure means that even if all of you are totally un- uh, strangers to the situation, 
you'll have a much better chance of getting out of there and enjoying it if you go in it as a team rather than as a solo act. So, you know, have fun. Don't get me wrong, but be prepared for the worst case scenario. That said, first off, keep in mind there is a Facebook group for webcomics reviews and interviews. Uh, if you want to start being a little bit more caught up in what's going on, hey, definitely join the group. Two, uh, patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O, sparrows. If you want to help support the show, please stop by and contribute a little bit. You get some really nice stuff and you get some mini blogs that I think are well worth the time. Also, don't forget there actually is a blog that I'm actually trying to get going on doing um, show notes on. Uh, WCRIpodcast.info That said, have some fun. Be prepared for the worst, but be prepared to have a lot of fun. So have a good evening and I'll talk to you later.